like people are doing exorcisms wrong. I'm worried. Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today, we're talking about the film, The Amityville Horror, from 1979. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Holly. What did you think about the movie? Did you remember it? I mean, tell me. All right, so The Amityville Horror. Now, this movie is apparently based on a true story. And there's, it's like a two-parter true story. So there's the first part, which this movie is not about. And then there's the second, there's like the second part of the true story that this movie is about, which is the Lutz family. And they move into this house. Well, the house is haunted by a pig named Jody. Mm-hmm. And it's a pig. It's a pig. Okay. Because at the very end, when you see, like, I thought, this is that a wild boar in the window? It's supposed to be a pig. Oh, my God. The satanic of all animals. The pig. I guess. Oh, my God. Pig blood. Like, Carrie. Satan. Yeah, you know, Satan and stuff. (laughs) I'm going to quit eating bacon. That's it. I've been talking about it. This seals it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like every time we were hanging out, I was noticing more and more that you seemed like you were becoming a Satanist. <laughs> but now I know it was just that you're eating a lot of bacon. I was. Not after today. Back to the movie. So we have a pig who is a ghost pig. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this just Being sounds joking. so bonkers. I don't even know how to start with this movie. Okay. Okay. Let me, I'm going to start over. Okay, I'm going to describe the movie. Or do you want to describe it? No, you do. Okay. Explain this thing to me. Okay, so I felt the same way. Now, I have a, a history with um, listening to a podcast and also reading a book about Amityville horror, <laughs> like within the last five years. So okay. that's my background info. And that's about not Amityville horror, but the actual crime mm-hmm. that took place in this house that's in the movie. Mm-hmm. And that, that is real. That is real. Okay. So the real thing that happened to set up for the plot of the movie is that I I think he's 23. His name is Butch. He, <laughs> that was his nickname. He uh, killed his whole family. Um, mother, father, and three siblings. Or four siblings. I think four siblings. Four siblings. Them. Yeah, four siblings. Um, with a shotgun. And another gun. There was another gun too, but that was never recovered. Anyway, that's the background. The mm-hmm. Lutzes, who are featured in this movie, they move in 18 months later into the murder house. It's only 18 months later. Yes. yes. And <sighs> all of the furn they get all the furniture for 400 extra dollars. Oh my God. 1974 
money. They bought the house for eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which is was a steal because I think you know they got a good deal on it, which yeah. was like this is important. The fact that they got a really good deal on the house, but they still were barely affording it, which is addressed in the movie at the beginning of the movie, is important for what happens later. Okay. Um, in real life. But in the movie, which I feel like maybe we could just have the parameter of now that we have the setup for that, we just talk about the movie as the movie and kind of. Okay. Because, like, I had to know since we were talking about the $80,000. What that would be today. Mm-hmm. What's your guess? Like, just- um, I'm going to say three, like around 300000 It's $440,886. Oh. And that was on sale. <laughs> on that, sale. Was deeply discount- <laughs> that was a deeply discounted home. That's so funny. I was going to say they're really living high on the hog. Yeah. Jody. <laughs> oh god. I bought this house on sale. <laughs> That's awesome. So okay. they okay. So here's the thing. So we have got we got George Lutz and we've got Kathy Kathy Lutz and they're newlyweds. Kathy has three children from a previous marriage, and I really didn't get their names. They're just sort of like in the background a lot. So so what happens is they move into the house and everything's really cool. And then all of a sudden one day, George really pretty quickly after they moved into the house, George gets really freaking cold and he starts chopping wood and he just fucking chops wood the <laughs> whole movie. That's about all he does. He chops wood and he sweats and he complains <laughs> about how cold it is. There flies everywhere even though it's not weather for flies and on top of that sometimes this weird black goo comes out of the faucets Mm -hmm. also george begins to look more and more like butch the boy who killed his family George, by all accounts, is a really great guy mm-hmm. and a really great stepfather and just great. And in the beginning of the movie, you see they're set up as like frolicking and like mm-hmm. having a good time. And they and I noticed that they dress Kathy like a teenager in a way. Yeah. Did you I notice that? that too? Yeah, so I looked up, like, how old was she during this movie? I think she was, like, 30 or 31 when it was filmed, and they dress her, like, a Catholic schoolgirl at one point, and, like, pigtails at another point. I'm like, is that just a 70s thing? I don't know. Well, I was, like, thinking that it was right around the time that the Love's Baby Soft Innocence can be sexy, too, or whatever the fuck that slogan is, and they have, like, they have like one ad where oh there's a woman and she's dressed up like a little girl and then there's another ad where there's like a 10-year-old <gasps> dressed up like a woman. Oh god, I didn't see that. With the same one. copy. Yeah, I didn't send that to you because I was like just, 
like I'm like this is actually probably triggering for some people even though really it just looks like um it just looks like a beauty pageant like a Jumbany Ramsey beauty pageant at this point but back then that was like a you know that was a campaign so I'm wondering if they were kind of yeah if they were going for that aesthetic I think she had some baby soft on her vanity too. I was looking at that. <laughs> the Amityville Horror, sponsored by Love's Baby Softs. <laughs> Innocence can be sexy too. <laughs> can we just mercilessly skewer Dying. <laughs> the marketing? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it made me think by the way she was dressed and the way that they did her hair, it made me think that, and also there was another scene like where they were going to do the lovemaking where I felt like she was playing around and like playing dress up. Yeah. What the fuck was that scene? I wanted to ask you about that. What is she wearing? She's wearing like <laughs> the weirdest outfit I've ever seen in my life. It is like a little girl playing dress up like a ballerina or something. Yeah. So she's puts a flower in her hair alone in her bedroom, mm-hmm. staring into her like full wall tile mirrors with mm-hmm. marble pattern on them. And then she's wearing like this bolero top with no bra under it. <laughs> like panties and either like leg warmers or a leg like compression device it's just one leg warmer yeah it's one thigh high leg warmer and I feel like the director was like I can't tell if it would be hotter if she had leg warmers on or not so we're just gonna do both it looks more like a compression stocking though (laughs) like is she like injured is there vascular issue going on like it wasn't a typical leg warmer. The director has a fetish for vascular <laughs> issues. <laughs> yeah, so then she's like doing a ballet pose in the mirror alone. <laughs> and I'm just like, what am I seeing right now? Yeah, they totally like infantilize her look or something. It's weird. Yeah, they do at the beginning of the movie. But as the mm-hmm. movie progresses, that goes away. Mm-hmm. So, like, by the end of the movie, she's just wearing, like, really baggy clothes. Not just that how, are, like, like sloppily they just, put on. Yeah, fast-forwarded through, like, their marriage of, like, how it goes from newlyweds to, like, long-time married people, only they did it in, like, one month. Bingo! This is, like, <laughs> you just fucking nailed it. Can you just, like, re- elaborate for me? I mean, <laughs> honestly, I found this movie so... I don't, I remember like some of the scary parts as a kid, but I think I blocked it out. Obviously as a child, I found it scary, especially seeing like kids being murdered. But like watching it this time, I really just looked at it as like people who shouldn't have gotten married, all the strengths of being an adult and how like your fairy tale marriage just quickly disappears. And those stressors like bring out any underlying mental illness that might be there. Um... And having three kids that are not your own, which is like, it's wonderful that works out for some people, but it's like, seems like it wasn't working out for him. And he was resentful of the children. There was, of course, like the classic cock blocking scene in the beginning of the movie. 
Like, remember what? when the wife, I can't remember her name, like, she has a dream uh, that he's going around axing people. Yeah. And it's the little girl that he, like, murders with an axe first. Because she's, yes. like, the most problematic cock blocker. She is. Mm-hmm. And she has an imaginary pig friend named Jody. Yeah. Also, in real life, just as an aside, there was a neighborhood cat mm-hmm. on their block, on the Lutz's block, who had who was big and fat and sassy and was also named Jody. Oh. And okay. it used to stare into the little girl's window at night because it would sit in the tree. Oh. This is according to, like, I think one of the kids mm-hmm. later and then also, like, neighborhood reports because people have done a lot of debunking yeah. of this whole story. One aspect of that, of the whole idea of this accelerated marriage of, you know, a 50-year marriage that takes place over the course of a month is that she is really, like, exuberant at the beginning. And she's, like, putting... You know how she's putting in the contact paper? Oh, yeah. At the beginning. So I don't even know if you can still buy contact paper. I mean, like... So I think it's, like, fallen out of favor a long time ago. I feel like it should have, but you can. And I found, like, my friend who was moving, I actually, like, helped her put some in. And I was just like, what are you doing this for? Because it's, like, it does busy it really matter that much what the inside of your cabinets look like? What are you preserving them for? It's busy work for women to do oh, because God. they get bored around the house all day. When I was a little kid... I thought when I saw that scene, it it struck me vividly and it stayed with me of her in the in these very exaggerated high up on her head pigtails. Mm-hmm. More pig. Oh my god. Then on top of that, we've got like this kind of yellowish floral contact paper that she's like cutting lovingly into fit onto the shelves and I was like this is what you do when you get married and that stuck with me and like (laughs) there's this like version of me that's like a perfect housewife Mm -hmm. and perfect housewives put in contact paper because all they do all day long is think about How can I improve my home so that when my husband gets home from work, he can be as comfortable as possible? That's it, man. That's like the whole point. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to become a housewife, I read a lot of like old books from like the 40s and 50s and 60s about like being a housewife. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a career. Yeah. And if you do it the way the way they teach you to do it in those books, it is a fucking career. It's not just a career. <laughs> it's a 24-hour fucking job. Mm-hmm. And no one thanks you and you don't get paid. 
-hmm. and everyone takes you for granted and you end up with horrible depression, also known as the problem that has no name. If you read the Betty Friedan book, The Feminine Mystique. Oh my God, I started reading that before. I love it. Okay, I need to finish it. And then, and then in the 50s, like in the 60s, once the this new housewife ideal after World War II has been entrenched into the psyche enough, all of these women were going to their doctors and not mm-hmm. knowing what was wrong. And they have depression and anxiety. And they're ho- and they're all housewives. And it's like nobody was blaming the expectations that were being put on them. Everyone was just saying, well, women are crazy. We've always known this. (laughs) Hello, Eve. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I remember seeing this movie, but I really remember more seeing the second Amityville horror. And I got them blended so when i watched this one i was like well when does when when do the you know where's this other family and then i was like oh wait this is i accidentally got them mixed up in my mind okay what's the second one maybe i did too the second one i think we saw the second one together I think, I feel like we watched one of these together too, but then mm-hmm. a lot of this I didn't remember. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, we must've been thinking of the second one. <laughs> well, let's do a part two. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, uh, uh, okay. I have, I've got a lot to say about Satan. All right. <laughs> so Father Delaney shows up. They've just, okay, let's go back. I know we kind of went forward. Let's go back here. So they just moved in. We'll start at the beginning again. They just moved (laughs) in. And uh, they're out somewhere frolicking. They're probably, frankly, they're probably making out by the lake or something. Mm -hmm. And Father Delaney comes over. The Lutzes are Catholic. He goes into the house to do a blessing on the house, which I think is pretty common for Catholics to do that. And I, you know, it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. So he goes into this room, he gets really sweaty, flies suddenly appear all over him, and he is driven mad. And once again, Satan is really fucking noisy. The buzzing. There's lots of close-up on the the fly eyes the close up on the fly eyes was intense <laughs> that was freaking me out father delaney looks outside and he sees the lutz's black dog mhm could it be the omen satan <laughs> <laughs> yes churchly <laughs> So I was like, oh my God, there's the Hollywood Satan black dog again. I bet he yeah. gets a lot. He got a lot of gigs in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So then he's like, oh shit. And he runs away. 
he just gets in his car and runs away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Later on in the movie, a nun comes over to bring like a housewarming present. And she gets really sweaty. And she's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Let me get out of here. Backing away frantically, like shaking. And, you know, it's really loud again. And hold on here. If your God is so mighty, wouldn't you be more protected? Not a target? question i mean i feel like yeah it would make you a target but yeah you shouldn't be as susceptible they have no tools to transmute the dense vibrational frequencies of whatever it is that's possessing the house the entity that's possessing the house mm-hmm. instead what they do and they do this in every single oh my god movie where there's a depossession so here's my here's my thing catholic church you're doing depossessions wrong if we have learned anything is from the seventies, yes, it's that it's okay. that that you're doing exorcisms wrong. Okay, I call them depossessions, but I like it. Okay, here problem number one. Here's how you do not do a depossession, but also how you do an exorcism in the Catholic Church, which never works out because the priests always die. <laughs> Where's Jesus? Like it doesn't make any sense until you realize. That the exorcisms are just wrong. So this is what you have to do. Please, if anybody, if you see an entity, do not look at the entity. Instead, recenter yourself on the person that the entity is like riding along with. Right? Have you ever seen somebody where you're like, I don't know why, but I just can't look at that person? Or like they're really creeping me out and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Okay. They might have an entity on them, right? They might, I like to call them critters because they're just <laughs> less, that like diffuses like the fear. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. These, these critters, they're dense vibrational frequencies and there's just like lots of different realms, you know? And so they don't have bodies the way we do. Some of them are like actually used to be humans they maybe they did some really fucked up stuff and they really regret it and they like don't know how to move on. And so they're just like trying to cling desperately to what is most familiar, which is like finding a person mm-hmm. to like ride along with. They're like a hitchhiker, you know? Okay. Um, the more you look at them though, the more you're giving them your like chi, your energy frequency, right? A lot of them like fear, like they, like they um, can only process fear as like a food almost, you know, they hang around because they want more fear. They want to like feed on that fear. So they'll do things like possessing someone in a family, like they possess George in the movie to make him the catalyst for the other members of the family to feel fear and then they get their food supply. Oh. Okay. So now we got a priest. I'm here to do the exorcism. So what does he do? He walks in scared. He walks in angry. He walks in feeling like I'm a fierce warrior of God and I'm here to fight. 
which is anger. He's not in his heart. He's not channeling any love frequencies of Jesus Christ. That's for sure. Right. I mean, in these movies anyway, I don't know how real exorcisms go down. I'm referring to the trend I see in Hollywood exorcisms, what they're doing wrong. You have this really scared guy. He's got water that he's throwing on a person. Um, and he's yelling at them. He's yelling at the demon, which makes the demon stronger because um, the demon's getting du- a direct, direct supply of fear. And then normally what'll happen is that the demon will, the priest will say, take me instead. Oh, when they say that, you know, know, I don't think they say that in this movie, but I'm just kind of generalizing (laughs) from like the whole genre of Satan movies I've seen that this is how they do it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're doing it exactly the wrong way. What you, what you could do instead is get really quiet and like breathe into your heart and call in the, if you're Catholic, call in Jesus, which is like pure unconditional love frequency, or that's how I experience it. And call in like pure unconditional love and practice that and get it in your, get in your heart with it. And then you can call in all the archangels and the, you know, and God and whoever else that you're into. And then also focus on the actual person. So everybody could have been focusing on what a great dad George is to his stepchildren and what a great husband he is. Like how we see him at the beginning of the movie. Everybody mm-hmm. could focus on that, you know. And then the the entity, the creature, what you would say is you would actually ask Jesus to assist that entity to the light. So you're still not looking at the entity. Okay. You're asking Jesus to look at the entity. So if there's any Catholic priests out there who are listening, I'm sure there are at least a few. I'll get off my soapbox now, but it does upset me because I'm afraid sometimes I'm like, what if you found an entity and you're like, well, I'll do it like they do it in the movies. And it's like, don't do it that way. <laughs> That's the exact have, wrong like, way. Fears of this happening. <laughs> This is a national problem. I didn't know about your passion, but I'm glad I know now. (laughs) You never know what you're going to get. I really don't. It's a fun (laughs) surprise for me each time. (laughs) Yeah, the flies. Honestly, I was thinking like, how much extra money would I have asked them to pay me to do this fly scene? It would have taken a lot. There were flies all over his face. They were all over. And it was Ugh. it was 1979. So they were probably real flies. Oh, those were real obviously. Flies. Yeah. Like what did they put on him? Did they put like Crisco Ooh. on his face or something? To just get all these flies stuck on there. <laughs> I hope it wasn't spam juice. <laughs> Ew. That was like the most disturbing part of the movie for me. Legitimately vomiting. So me too. So he, so the priest is in the house, this poor guy. Got flies all over his face. He's sweating (laughs) spam juice. 
<laughs> he's running out of the house gagging. Now, my first thought was that he probably just had some poisoned mutton. Okay. That like sister Nancy forgot to put away. And then she realized she left it out overnight. And she was like, Why don't you just boil it a little extra. Nobody will <laughs> notice. <laughs> oh, my God. So that was my first thought. But as the movie progressed, I realized that it's actually just that he's now being tormented by the devil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just from walking into the house. And like you mentioned, also the nun that came over, she was saying like Aunt Kathy or whatever. Like it's her aunt who's a nun, I think. Oh, I didn't catch that. Call the sisters aunts. I don't know. But it's like, shouldn't she have said something to her? Like a warning? And then she saw her again at the wedding and she still didn't say anything. She's like, I don't know what happened. I just left your house and I threw up down the road. And it's like, (laughs) you mentioned the overwhelming sense of evil that you felt in their house. While you've got her ear. She had the same mutton. You really (laughs) failed there. At least the priest tried like multiple times to warn them. And each time he was almost killed. Why are all the priests always yelling all the time? Nobody listens. Whenever somebody starts yelling, it's very well known around the world that as soon as you start yelling, everyone around you turns their ears off. Father Delaney is trying to get the other priests higher up to believe that there's something really fucked up with the house and that like we need to help this family because they're in danger. Everybody was just yelling at each other. And I was like, this is so, this is such a weird scene. Like, I kind of got the feeling that the people that made the movie really don't like Catholics. <laughs> that was kind of my takeaway, one of my takeaways from this movie. Because mm-hmm. the Catholic Church looks really, really bad. They do. No, they're like bullying Father Delaney because he wants to try to help this family. And then they're basically like shaming him for having a prior career in education because he was a psychotherapist before. It's like, they're like, what do you think? You're better than us because you have a degree outside of this. And so they won't listen to him. They basically tell him that he's crazy and they kind of threaten him, like, don't try to help this family. Yeah. I don't understand. Okay, so Father Delaney is trying to tell them a little bit of the history of this house. And they say that the the first family that lived there, the the I think they were called the Kutchers, that they were suspected of being they were ran out of Salem for being a witches. And for the house had devil worship and death and sacrifice. That's what the father says. And then what happened is they moved, they actually took that house and they moved it. This actually really, this part really happened. So the original house was moved and then somebody else built the Amityville house on the property. So in the movie, this Kutcher family, I think it's, I don't know if that's a real family, but in the movie, that's like where that comes from. Okay. Um, is that, family. Yes. Family. They were run out of Salem for being witches. <laughs> um, and then father, 
Uh, yeah. So it's like, um, oh my God. Oh. You know what? That's wrong. I'm getting Father Delaney mixed up with Carol. I thought so, but I wasn't going to say anything just in case. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're blowing this whole thing. I, I know. I'm fucking it up <laughs> big time. Yeah. So the the priests, when they're all arguing, <laughs> and the head priest guy, he's like, he says to Father Delaney, because Father Delaney is like, I'm a psychologist. He's like, I'm a clinical psychologist and a priest. And I'm not like a weird, superstitious, crazy person. That's what he was trying to say, you mm-hmm. know? And then the the other priest says, you think your secular education gives you the right to question the church? Mm-hmm. And I was like, bingo. I feel like that sums up the 80s. <laughs> Even though this movie is a 79er, there's my sums up, sums up the 80s quote. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's still continuing. Oh, it's only gotten <laughs> it sums up more exaggerated. They kick Father Delaney out of the church, basically. Yeah, so this this is the other thing I don't understand about that. Um so his little like partner that's with him. So like the two big guys, I guess they came in from out of town to like yell at him. Mm-hmm. And then the other young guy that's with him. Cause they also had an experience where they were trying to go warn the family and they're driving. And then the car like goes out of control because father Delaney can't drive. Cause he's got these like blisters all over his hands from holding the phone, trying to warn them. And then, so the young priest is driving him. They can't control the car. They cause like so many accidents. And then uh, while they're driving, the hood flips up so they can't see. And it totally made me think of Tommy Boy. And then I just busted out laughing. I don't know if you remember that scene from Tommy yes. Boy, but I found myself laughing through like a lot of this movie, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, busting out. And so the father Delaney's like, hey, buddy, like you were there. Could you please back me up? And he's like, Oh, well, the steering wheel locked up in there. Oh, that was another good quote. The priest was like, I blame Detroit before I'd blame the devil. <laughs> and as someone who's lived in Detroit, I appreciated that. That's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, they just like won't listen to him at all. The other priest doesn't really back him up. And then later the young priest says like, Oh, well, after I came back from Vietnam, I really looked up to you and everything, but I learned that, like, we create our own demons or something. And he was basically telling Father Delaney, like, this is all in your head. Telling him he was making it up, too. I know. I know. Why is everyone ganging up on this guy? Well, I feel like the church, people really started losing faith in the church in the 70s i mean like you can just tell that by the content of movies if you Mm -hmm. you know take anything else and i think that's why there's this like uptick in satan occult the trend of like occult exploitation films and satanic panic movies really is because it's like a it's like a response of the to the fear that everyone's losing their religion and without God were, you know, we're at the hands of Satan and all of those fears that, that people had and have. 
It makes sense to me that in this movie, nobody would believe that there was anything happening that was like a satanic phenomena because these priests really don't even believe in God anymore. And like the statement is that the church can't protect you because the church is no longer holding the spirit of Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. So like for me, that's kind of one of the messages I'm getting in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The seventies were tough on the Catholic church. And this is before the childhood sex abuse scandal. Maybe some of these people in Hollywood were abused and this is their, okay. This is how they're like manifesting it and trying to get it out without really coming out about it. Cause you couldn't then. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That makes sense. Totally. That's brilliant. Okay. That just puts like a whole new light on these movies. And then on, on top of that, you know, you've got the Vietnam war. Uh-huh. which is like, if you want evidence of Satan, now you can look at that too, as you can look at it, like evidence of Satan in the fact that we're in the war or evidence of Satan in the fact that these young boys today, they don't want to die for our country. That's satanic. Mm-hmm. Either way. Satan and Jody, the pig. What if Satan was actually just Jody the pig? <laughs> Holy shit. There's a black cat out in my yard right now. I'm getting chills right now. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. I'm you. getting chills. <laughs> I'm sitting in my closet alone in this creepy house. And I'm getting chills. Oh my God, he's cute. Oh, he's like a little kitty cat. Is it like looking in your window? No, he's like out by the barn. He's scoping out the barn. We need a barn cat. I hope he stays. Maybe I should go give him some food. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll name him Jody. (laughs) Oh, my God. Don't. (laughs) Do not. The thing that really gets me and that always gets me in like every movie like this and also Mm -hmm. in every real life situation that I see like this because I love to watch like my ghost story. And, like, things about real ghost encounters. Mm -hmm. And the people that always stay in the house. And it's like, why are you staying? I mean, most of this stuff happened within, like, two weeks. It's like, you're not that invested. Just get out. They didn't even talk about trying to sell the house. It's such a good deal. Yeah, like, everything's still in boxes, though. You can leave. He's not Get finished. I'm not finished back. <laughs> Wait, so that was my favorite quote, actually. I wrote that down when he's like sitting, staring into the fire. <laughs> and she comes up and she's like, why don't we go to bed or do something? And he was like, I've got work to do. I don't want to be up to my ass in boxes forever. <laughs> that was my favorite quote because I feel like we move so much and I swear to God, there's like always boxes that are like never unpacked. And that just like really hit home with me. I laughed really hard in that scene because I thought of you. Thank you. <laughs> Unpacking. I know. <laughs> She's up to her eyeballs in boxes right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> the boxes. They never go away. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what's in them anymore. I think they just like come with me. And... <laughs> <laughs> I never even get a chance to open oh. some of them. Then I just pack them back up. Oh, no. <laughs> Who knows what's inside? <laughs> but yeah, so that was my favorite quote. Um, so like you were getting to when you got Carol and the priest mixed up, which is completely mm. understandable. Mm-hmm. A young blonde woman and an old priest. I mean, I often feel like an old priest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the dad, George, his friend, his business partner comes over with his girlfriend, like they're gonna pay a surprise visit to the yeah. family. And the girlfriend, you know, she's supposed to seem kind of like out there. She's a late 70s hippie. Yeah. And she she, takes women's studies classes at college. She totally does. She comes up to the house and she's like, oh, I'm not going in there. It gives me the creeps. And then he's like, what? Come on. But she was right. Trust your gut. Mm -hmm. And then later when George is like really freaking out, they meet up with him and he shows them this book they stole from the library that he sold. And then that's when she finds out about the Ketchum house and like the roots of the house. And then they all go there. She's trying to tell him about it. And then her boyfriend, his business partner is like, oh, thanks a lot for your views on the cosmos. Now do us a favor and shut up. Do you remember that part? I was like, that's part. Okay. So this is what she says. Mm-hmm. You get that response. She says, oh, yeah, she says, energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only change forms. Then Jeff yells at her and calls her a quack. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure that Einstein came up with that. And then it's the first fucking law of thermodynamics, Jeff. (laughs) Thank Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Sorry to any Jeffs out there. Mm-hmm. I'd be listening. I've only heard good things about Jeffs besides this one, who's a horrible yeller. And maybe he grew up going to Catholic school. And so he only knows how to yell. <laughs> maybe. And then so his solution was instead of <laughs> listening to Einstein and like... <laughs> rules of the universe is to just go to dinner that should take care of it we'll babysit while you guys go to dinner yeah like oh okay that's like george go to dinner (laughs) have kathy give you a (laughs) blowjob maybe the under the table it's 1979 i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah so that should take care of it George agrees, so he goes along with that plan. Then when they get back to the house, then Carolyn is like, I want to go in the house. I know it's coming from the basement, which she's right as well. And the dog knows it too. It's like, she and the dog are the smartest people in this whole movie. Harry the dog is actually like my favorite character in the movie. And so she starts busting down the wall where the evil's coming from. And then George comes down. Everyone sees. It's opened. They hear like the voice of Satan channeled through Carolyn, and it says, like, this is the gateway to hell. And then mm-hmm. they still stay in the house mm-hmm. for like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
anything that happens to you beyond that point, like it's your fault. I don't feel sorry for you. I agree. So yeah, they're staying in the house, even though like every time they go to do laundry, they have to walk by the passage to hell. <laughs> Which quite oh my god. Quite, quite frankly, I think probably a lot of people think that going to do laundry is like going through a passageway to hell. <laughs> so Right. <laughs> you might not be far off. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. See, this movie is realistic. God, it is. It's really just showing you like all the perils of domesticity. <sighs> this movie is basically like, don't be a housewife. Mm-hmm. Don't be a homeowner. Don't be a homeowner. Don't be a housewife. Live in your van. Down by the river, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Maybe that's what they do when they drive off at the end in the van. They just <laughs> live in it. <laughs> it's big enough. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, honestly, like, the more we talk about it, I really do feel like we saw the second one. Yeah. And okay. so there's maybe didn't, like, not a lot of memories were triggered because it's not the one that we saw. I know. But I also know that I did see this when I was a little kid. I remember Kathy at the beginning of the movie when they're happy, the first four days that they live in the house before the phenomena starts. And actually, the phenomena starts when the priest gets there. Oh. So maybe the priest brought it. My God. Yeah, like woke the sleeping giant or something. Yeah. I I feel like I've always remembered but was not able to place the scenes of Kathy being a perfect housewife. Okay. Because when I was a little kid and I saw it, I think I realized like because she had the trappings of childhood at the beginning of the movie, the way she's dressed, the way she acted, there was a lot of frolicking that I related to her as a little kid. Of like, oh, yeah, this is what you do when you become a housewife. Like, or when you get married, like, you you play house. Mm-hmm. You know? So it was like this little girl fantasy kind of thing. Even though yeah. I wasn't really all that, like, I'm going to get married. and have a- <laughs> I wasn't into that. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I kept that vision in my head. And so when I was re-watching this, I was like, oh, that's where I got this from. Because I also think Margot Kidder, who plays Kathy, is adorable. Mm-hmm. And also, if you're a 50-year-old woman and you want to wear pigtails and only one leg warmer at a time <laughs> and you want to frolic around, good for you. Like, I am not criticizing anybody for dressing like a child. I'm just, I was just making a statement that, like, the way that it was done... I felt like was intentional and indicated like some kind of a a character progression to the end when she's just sort of wearing like mom clothes where it looks like she didn't have time to think about what she was going to wear because her family's falling apart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so I just wanted to say that because I really, one of my pet peeves in the world is uh, people trying to police other people's dressing yeah preferences 
if I, if you are 80 years old and you are wearing a short skirt and fishnets, I am going to want to hug you and I'm mm-hmm. absolutely going to give you a compliment and mm-hmm. I love you already. Like, <laughs> please <laughs> wear whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So along that line, we're just like jumping all over the place. That's okay. But so- This movie's so boring. <laughs> It kind of is boring, right? It was so boring. It was boring. All right. Thank you. Because I was like, this movie is supposed to be really good, right? Yeah. But. It was supposed to be really scary. Yeah. I guess when you're a child, it's really scary. But I don't know. This time I just found it hilarious and like Mm -hmm. depressing kind of. Okay. So a couple things. Jumping towards the end. When everything's like really going to hell. (laughs) <laughs> and George is like losing it. I'm confused because he's always got like the axe chopping wood, and then she like imagines that he's going to kill her kids. She like dreams it. Okay, then she goes to the library to like research the murders, which is like maybe you should have done that before you bought the house. So she's microfishing with her giant glasses, which I loved. And then she sees a picture of the murderer and she's like, oh my God, it looks just like George. And then she like rushes home and is like, oh shit, I better go rescue my children. It's like suddenly she realizes that she needs to be afraid of him or something. And at that point when she gets home, he's got an ax and he's like trying to get into the bathroom and all of her kids are hiding from him in the bathroom, like terrified. And he's like, you know, shining it. Like, it's mm-hmm. like the shining scene where he's just axing through the door mm-hmm. and trying to get to the kids. Mm-hmm. And so when she gets home, that's what's happening. And she grabs him. And then he turns around and tries to, like, axe murder her, but he misses. And when he looks at her, then you see that she looks like an old woman. Did you notice that? Yeah. Only for, like, a split second when he goes yeah. to kill her. What's that about? I think it's... I think that there was, like, George is possessed by the entity and escaped yeah um yeah sorry but it was a man who was the witch though didn't they say yeah but i think maybe like the the guy is possessing George. Yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting that it was like a male witch because usually it was just women that they were accusing of being witches and murdering for no reason. Yeah. Okay. So, actually, I think it was like 70% women. I think it was like 30% men. Okay. Maybe even 40%. Oh, wow. It was way higher than you would think, but it was the same kind of people. Mm-hmm. the outside of society people yeah you know it would probably be like a guy who was like she's not a witch i was with her and then they're like oh then you're a witch too bye you're done mm-hmm. or okay. <laughs> gee he doesn't have boy uh bob doesn't have any heirs and he has a lot of property next door to me <laughs> i feel like he's a witch because some of my cows <laughs> died last week <laughs> he did it yeah yeah cut to a year later and i'm like over on bob's property building my new house 
<laughs> okay, so it was possessing him. Mm-hmm. And then it like suddenly went away and then she was fine with him after he was just trying to ax his way into the bathroom with her kids. Like what happened there? Okay. I think that George is a really good guy. Yeah. And George is a, he's pure of heart mm-hmm. and, and the pure of heart, it's very, very difficult for a dense vibrational entity to fully capture someone who's pure of heart. When I say that they're pure of heart, I mean that they they would never be able to harm someone else because they have a lot of empathy. So someone with a lot of empathy, it's hard to like fully get in there, you know? So my hypothesis is that people who are considered to be psychopaths, you know, there's a there's a, a good bit of research that parts of their uh, frontal lobe are diminished and like don't function the same way that a quote unquote normal person would. So my theory, my hypothesis is that dense vibrational entities for some reason that that brain, um, that brain like variation, deviance, abnormality, that uh, is characteristic in psychopaths is actually some kind of a like portal for the dense vibrational entity to get fully embodied into the person, which is then how you get people like Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. So, or, you know, your typical like scary psychopath who like actually gets off on hurting people. Right. As opposed to the CEO psychopath. Yeah. Right. Who's probably not possessed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But he's not possessed. Like he's not like actively like, like, Ooh, I'm going to like get off on drinking blood or something like that. Right. So that's the kind of dense vibrational entity we're dealing with here in this movie. Okay. The reason that it can't possess George Lutz fully the way it's implied that it possessed Butch, the murderer that used to live there is because George Lutz has a heart. Butch didn't because Butch got his heart beaten out of him because Butch's father was, I think it was um, extremely abusive physically, mentally from a very, very young age, he was physically Mm -hmm. abusive. So, you know, Butch had brain damage. Mm -hmm. So he was predisposed to be, possessed by a dense vibrational entity. Wow. That's my theory. Okay. And I think that the old woman that came in that you saw the flash of when George was going after Kathy was that she was momentarily possessed by one of the ghosts that lived in the house and that they, those ghosts play out Uh, this death, some kind of a death scene, depending on what family lives there. Okay. You know, so everybody's got a role to play. So like Mm -hmm. in the real murder, all of the people that were murdered were found face down in their beds and they were all shot in the back. Right. So here's the thing. 
The only one that there was any, well, no, there were two. There was an indication that the oldest sister had, had, had been awake at some point before she got shot. And then also that the dad, it even kind of looked like maybe the dad had been out of the bed when he got shot and put in the bed. So the other four people, they had all been asleep. So this is a really loud shotgun. Like, why is everybody just in their bed face down? Why are they all sleeping face down? Yeah. So you could look at it like, what if there was some kind of ritualized murder initially? The perpetrator, he is like in possession of the house, right? After he leaves his body. And the other people that had been murdered there, they're all ghosts there. And it's like, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they're replaying this death scene over and over again. And they're trying to inhabit the bodies of the people who live in the house so mm-hmm. that they can keep doing the death scene. And manifesting the death scene in the physical world. But it doesn't work with the Lutzes because they love each other. Oh, so Ronald DeFeo is the dad's name. And then Butch is a, he's, he's the junior Ronnie, the junior Ron, but everybody called him Butch. Um, But with the DeFeo family, Ron DeFeo, like I said, was, was horribly abusive to everyone in the family. So there was already a lot of pain and suffering that would have exact that could have exacerbated and made those dense vibrational entities even stronger because the family itself was putting out so much dense vibration because they were living in fear because they're living with a guy who's like horribly abusive to them and they're walking on eggshells cuz anything could set them off at any time. He's just like one of those, uh, one of those like um, mobby, like mobster bully guys, you know, <laughs> that was his demeanor. So that's my, that's my theory. I'm sorry, my hypothesis. <laughs> it's not a theory until it's been tested. The scientific method of analyzing ghost stories. That's right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's what's so crazy about this is it's like true crime mixed with a ghost story, which is incredible. And that does make it hard not to talk about like the actual crime and all that stuff. So yeah, Mm -hmm. tell me later what you know. Well, the after show that we're going to do. That will be available on (laughs) (laughs) patreon.com backslash cover your eyes podcast. I'm sorry. Nice. <laughs> no, really oh, though. I love money. So if you if you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can listen to more mystical musings of murder and mayhem. That should be the title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, this movie, I feel like it was kind of boring, like you said, which I'm glad that you said that too. Um, there were a few times that I actually was scared. Like the flies didn't scare me, but they just like gave me a reaction. Mm-hmm. And like the close up of the fly eyes, like we said, 
Then there was the moment where the mom, Kathy, she comes into the room. She hears her daughter singing, Jesus loves me, which for some reason that wasn't setting the ghost off like I thought it would or the spirit or the entity or whatever. And she's singing it to Jody, the pig spirit. And then the mom comes in and she's like, stops. And she's like, mom, you scared Jody away. She went out the window. So then Kathy's Mm. like, oh, she went out the window. I better go check it. And then when she goes to the window, there's like this weird noise, like, and then these bright eyes just show up. Um, That scared me. Well, it's like what we saw when we were fucking around with that Ouija board. Oh my God. But I mean, it wasn't because it didn't look that way, but it was the same scenario of something Outside the window. Outside the window. A spirit outside the window. I mean, that's what I thought of. I didn't think of that, but yeah. Well, I thought of that after I thought, oh, kitty. Because I already (laughs) knew about Jody the cat. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The neighborhood cat. (laughs) Yeah. That scared me. And then... I don't know. There was one other scene that scared me, but I don't remember. I mainly remember laughing. So my favorite time of laughing, the first one was when um, they're first going down into the basement when George and like the little boy, his stepson are going down there and he's like, watch the steps. They're tricky. And the little kid just like eats it and falls down the stairs. (laughs) It's so funny. And then that same kid later when they're escaping the house and the stairs are turned into like a slip and slide of blood and they're all like falling and that kid like eats it and falls down the stairs mm-hmm. again and then he falls in the yard i'm like this kid need to have like a neuro exam what's going on you shouldn't be following that you following that much but that was my favorite part i'm i'm sorry but i laugh when people get hurt and even when kids get hurt and then when the other kid's hand gets smashed in the window and it's stuck there oh i was laughing at that too oh my god <laughs> so what was your favorite quote yeah, my favorite quote was the I've got work to do. I don't want to be up to my ass in boxes forever. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite quote was also from George. <laughs> and it was he's like really frustrated and he's so sweaty. Always. He's so sweaty. <laughs> and he's so sweaty, but he's cold. So he's he he sits by the fire and sweats. This is what he does now. <laughs> he used to be a hot, sexy husband and a great father, but now he's just a sweaty, hairy monster who sits in front of a fire <laughs> and creepily rocks and chops wood. Yeah, just to just to emphasize what's happening when he says the following i gotta stay healthy for your brother's wedding (laughs) but i laughed so hard like his delivery on that so this guy um fuck what's his name james James brolin okay barbara streisand's husband right oh i didn't know that i think so oh um she was married to elliot gould Barbara Streisand was? No. The long goodbye, Elliot Gould. Are you saying it like he's hot? Oh, okay. Elliot Gould and MASH? Oh, my God. Wait, he is hot? 
He just, oh my God. But I didn't think that until I saw him in the long goodbye. But anyway, <laughs> Barbara Streisand, she really knows how to pick them. Um, she does. Okay. That is who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, they look so cute together. I know. They're adorable. There was one other scene that I wanted to talk about, and it ties back into with with how you had brought up brilliantly at the beginning of how this movie is really just the stresses of being married and how when you're newlyweds like you think it's going to be one way but then it's like the classic trope of like how it's actually really terrible this is really all this movie is is the supernatural version of the money pit with tom hanks and shelly long (laughs) you know what i mean yeah you're um, right. I love that movie. Too. Me too. We need to do that movie. Oh yes. Oh, That's I so need good. to plug my. I'm gonna. Um, I'm actually gonna stop this again and okay. then plug. Yeah. As George had mentioned, he is going to be the best man in Kathy's brother's wedding, and Kathy's brother is very nervous, and he's. Focusing everything on making sure that he has $1,500 in cash for the caterer. In today's money, $3,286, just to give you a ballpark. So we already know that George and Kathy are kind of strapped for cash, and they're really pushing it with this house. Make it, you know, that's like barely afford it kind of a thing. Yeah, it's like so, a half million dollar house. Yeah. Kathy's brother suddenly doesn't have the cash. Like they're getting ready to go to the wedding. George is sweating profusely and they're like, dude, you need to stay home. You look like there's a dense vibrational entity sucking <laughs> the life out of you, George. Maybe you should <laughs> stay home. <laughs> like he's going to ruin all the wedding photos. <laughs> <laughs> polyester those polyester suits Mm -hmm. all that sweat oh poor george Uh um and so so george is like you know what he has a moment of like clarity where he's actually just george and he's like you know what i'll write you a check we'll find it it's got to be here you just had it a second ago so then they leave and then later George is furiously looking for the money and he can't find it. And he finds the, the paper wrap mm-hmm. for the money that the money that the cash had been in. So he knows the money is like actually missing. Yeah. So here's my question. Do you think that the girl, the babysitter, the teenage babysitter with the headgear braces, headgear mm-hmm. contraption, Stole the money. Yeah. She was just lurking in the background. Totally. Do you th- and then and then um she got trapped in the closet by Jody, the pig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering, I was like the babysitter. She was just like, why was she hanging out there at the doorway? And the next thing you know, the money's gone. And then Jody the pig punished mm-hmm. her. So here's my question. Is Jody the pig actually a helper? I mean, I don't think so based on like all of the 
blood coming down the walls and spilling out <laughs> of the toilets and making people murder each other. <laughs> That's just my theory or hypothesis. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. Jody the pig has, she has no problem with any of the stuff you just mentioned, but she fucking hates thieves. Okay. Yeah. Petty fucking criminals really piss her off. Who wouldn't be an asshole if you were a teenager and you had to wear metal, like two big metal rods into your mouth? Okay. Attached to your ears. I am fascinated by this. It's in like every 80s movie. There's like two of them in 16 Candles. And it's like, did people really wear this all day to school? I've never seen like an actual photo of someone me wearing that and it's like was that the alternative to braces or is that like i don't understand what those things are i want to research are those it. like are, is that like what is that like the cheaper braces i don't know i can't understand it and then i was like did she just have like two buck teeth and so it's just like a band that straps oh. it to the back of her head to like pull full pull backwards oh. on the buck teeth like it wasn't she didn't need full braces yeah I don't know if you are, if you can do it, dear listeners, if you are a dentist, a dental historian, or someone who actually had to wear a head gear braces mm-hmm. contraption, please write in and let us know. You can please. write in to cover your eyes podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear the answer. Me too. Oh, okay. Can we talk about just, I mean, I know I feel like we're kind of wrapping up. Okay. Do you feel that way? I do now. <laughs> well, we have well, we the after show too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, oh, okay. I know. And you've got your party and everything. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about the gratuitous tidy whitey action in this oh my movie. God, I know. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I don't know. I was like, okay. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be good, like equality, you know, because we're always just seeing like naked women and women in their underwear for no reason. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I guess this is our payback, but it definitely doesn't feel like it. You know, it wasn't like enjoyable to see. He's wearing like this dirty sweatshirt that he's been wearing the whole time. And his tidy whities were like not even white anymore. And they looked more like medical, like a bandage or something. Like it was prominent too. Didn't it look like everything was just like hoisted up into this bandage of tidy whities that were dingy? And it's gross. I actually took some screenshots of it. Thank you. I wanted to make a, I wanted to do an ad, (laughs) but I didn't get a screenshot. I was like, I need an ad. I need an underwear ad. Yes. Cover guys underwear. Oh my God. Again, I feel like here's another situation in which we find the Lutzes as a couple being intimate with (laughs) medical accoutrement yeah she's got the compression sucking leg warmer and he's got the like truss hernia belt looking underwear (laughs) i'm I'm telling you they've got a fetish (laughs) 
they've got a medical garment safety garment fetish i don't know what do you call those generally just what you said like medical undergarments medical undergarments (laughs) i feel like maybe they they take turns playing doctor and patient is what i'm getting at yeah coming back to her kathy's compression leg warmer Mm -hmm. one thing i loved okay i thought kathy looked really hot in this scene where she's like playing around dancing. Yeah. Um, also she's, they're showing her cellulite. Oh my God. I know. I loved it. I was like, okay. And she is super hot. Mm-hmm. I feel like there must've been women on the set yeah. <laughs> because, because there's a, there's a broader like spectrum of, of um, the way that the camera is gazing. And there's also times when they're making George uh, the object of sexual attention in Mm -hmm. the film. And even that tidy whitey scene, I felt like was like, this dude is like, he's packing. Yeah. He's packing the heat. Like (laughs) Kathy's got, Kathy's got something to hold on to here. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? In more than one way. Yeah, it was from center. George. The only thing where I felt like uh, was really extremely like awful in the gender dynamics way is when the psychic lady, Carolyn, uh, when her, when he yells at her for knowing about Einstein basically quoting Einstein that nobody like noticed like it wasn't a thing it was like no this is just how you talk to your wife like this is a thing that's totally acceptable you know but then also I got offended when those priests were yelling at each other too I think I just get offended when people yell at each other (laughs) it's really dumb yeah the scene with Jeff was terrible he was being a huge jerk when everything's like pretty much fallen apart. So George is sharpening his ax. Jeff comes over and Jeff's like, dude, you've not been here. I know you've got boxes to unpack, but we need to pay bills and stuff. And you haven't been at work at all. (laughs) (laughs) Those boxes. (laughs) Well, maybe part of being on the hellmouth as they are clearly (laughs) is that there's just like, boxes just reproduce (laughs) and you're never unpacked that's the real hell yeah like at the end I just feel like it wasn't explained and it changed a little bit and it was weird it just sort of dissolved she just thinks okay well I guess the spirit's out of him now so now I'm gonna escape the house with him even though when I came into the house I thought he was trying to murder my children with an axe yeah like suddenly he hugs her and he's like i would never hurt you and she's mm-hmm. like oh okay mm-hmm. let's all get out of here together <laughs> it's weird i understand you're just really serious about your axe throwing competition honey <laughs> i just wanted to show it to the children <laughs> Well, I think it showed that he wasn't evil anymore when he's like, we have got to get Harry. 
the black. Oh yeah, van. then for sure. But like but think, before they yeah. got to the van, I was like, mm-hmm. I'd still be a little leery of him. But then yeah. yes, when he saved the dog, because the little girl's like, I want Harry, and then so he stops the van and runs back in to save mm-hmm. the dog. That was so sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, Georgia's back. Yeah, like Georgia's fully back now. Someday we'll watch Amityville Part Two. Yes, we actually saw. So, mm-hmm. and then I'll <laughs> see what I hear. Well, you saw this one, but I don't remember seeing I this one. See but this I one. do remember seeing the other one with you, and then I just yes. got them mixed up. I don't know. Like a question for this one would be: Have you ever lived in a place that you thought might be haunted, or found out it actually was haunted, and you stayed? <laughs> like the people in this movie. If you have, or you know someone that has, mm-hmm. I would actually like really love to hear about oh that. Oh my god. Oh, conversely, if you've ever lived in a house where you knew someone was murdered, ooh. But well, either it could have been haunted or maybe nothing happened. Email us at coveryourizepodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. If you send us a picture of your review with your address, I will send you a sticker and something else. If you're lucky. If I like your review. <laughs> Make it a good one and you'll get a sticker. Well, I'll give you a sticker, whatever review you give us. Yeah, that's right. What? I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Okay. If you give us. <laughs> oh, no, it's our first fight. Oh, my God. We're okay. We have to get off right now because Sarah and I are going to scream at each other mm-hmm. because that is the only way to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's loudest wins. Yeah. You can find all our fights on patreon.com. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, bye. See you next Tuesday. Yes. See you next Tuesday. Okay. Bye. Bye. When you smoke with me, you're smoking the best.